Come on, church, let's make some noise. Man, thank you, Pastor. I'm excited about that. Yeah, today's going to be a really fun day. Pastor Brandon is preaching this exact same message today in Oklahoma. So I'm kind of like Michael Scott, right? I want all of the credit and none of the blame from your experience in here today. But no, I'm excited to preach this message. It is all about moving outside of our comfort zones. I think today is going to be a blessing to you. It's about getting in uncharted territory. So I have a question for you. When is the last time you took a big step into the unknown out of your comfort zone? Or let me say it another way. When's the last time you did something for the first time? When's the last time you did something for the first time? Um, I was like thinking back of what me and my family experienced in the past few weeks. It might be new different, taking a step out into the um, un, uh, something that's not ordinary for us. And I was thinking about fall sports. Where are all my families at that like have kids in fall sports? Okay, I want you to raise your hands because I want you, all of you to know I've been praying for you for a long time now. <laughs> but I want to show you a clip from our daughter Hannah. She's four years old, and this is her at soccer practice recently. It's a brand new thing for us. Get it, girl. Come on. There we go. Slow-mo. Boom. Look at that. Get it, girl. Y'all. The full ride scholarship was still intact at this moment. Man, that was Ashley and I's plan. Um, but what you don't know is kind of what happened after the clip that I just showed you. Um, so Hannah, all of a sudden, she kept coming to the sideline. She needed a couple extra water breaks. And then water breaks turned into hug breaks. And then hug breaks turned into hysterical crying, saying, I don't want to do this anymore, right? <laughs> and so we sat the rest of practice out. We get in the car. We're on the way home. And we're like, Hannah, what in the world happened? Because she's really not a shy kid. We're like, what in the world happened out there? And she, she said a couple things, and I bet you're going to be able to relate to them. She said, well, I didn't exactly know what I was doing. I was kind of confused. And then she said something, and it breaks my heart. She's like, I just don't really feel like I was going to be good at it, you know? And I don't know, you probably are thinking something right now that you've done recently in your life where you've taken this big step into the unknown. And those same things, you probably wrestle with the exact same stuff. Hey, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this. I'm confused. This is foreign. It's not ordinary. And just like Hannah, there's probably something in your mind right now. You took this big step on, and it was just scary, right? It was just scary. And what I want to read to you today is a passage from Matthew I want to talk about three steps that we can take into the unknown. Let me show you Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 31. It says this Immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 28, Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, 
He became frightened, and when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand, took hold of him, and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Let me pray over today's scripture reading really quick. God, thank you so much just for your word. God, your word is still alive and well today, and we're praying that this message, we can wrestle with it today, and it can expand our faith, and we can trust you to take big, bold steps into the unknown. For you, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Yeah, so we arrive at the scene. Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount, um, and he's been doing some ministry, and they're getting ready to cross the Sea of Galilee, and he sends his disciples out ahead of him, right? So that's kind of where we pick up the story. And so I, I ask this question to you as we're kind of thinking back to Peter's experiences. Would you be willing to do the uncomfortable to encounter the supernatural? Would you be willing to do the uncomfortable to encounter the supernatural, because I propose to you at some point in time, as a follower of Jesus, um, you're going to have to leave the comfort of the boat. And here's what I mean by the boat. Think about this. Peter is a fisherman. His entire life story and life experience is kind of personified with that idea of the boat. This is all he knew up into following Jesus, right? And that's our same story, too. Would we be willing to take a step out of everything we know to experience the supernatural, something uncommon. You guys hear Pastor Brandon say this almost weekly, right? That God loves us exactly where we are. Like, I know you got a bunch of versions of you in your head, but the version that walked into here today, the version that is watching online, the version that is listening back during the week as a podcast of this, God loves that version of you beyond measure, but he loves you way too much to leave you there at that version of you. We're constantly taking steps of faith. That's kind of what we call it to do. So I want to give you the big idea for everything you're going to hear for the rest of the day. And it's this, that God called you to live a life of courage, not comfort. God called you to live a life of courage, not comfort. I want to give you three steps from today's reading that I believe is going to help every single one of us identify a step that we can take in courage to get out of our comfort zone. You guys ready to get started? Yeah. Well, that's actually the first point. Get started. So here we go. Number one is get started. Have you ever wanted to do something and you just don't get past the idea stage, right? It's not uncommon to have a bunch of great ideas. What's uncommon is executing said good idea. And I like to call this phase of our thinking paralysis by analysis, right? We have this big idea. We got the big thing we want to go do. But we can't stop the thinking part of it. We rationalize this, and we rationalize that, and we think through this, and we think through that. And eventually, it actually just gets us stuck exactly where we are. I like in verse 28, um, Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you. Right? And I think we do the exact same thing. Lord, if you really want me to take that step of faith, would you just... I open my Bible, and the first verse I see is about the thing that I'm supposed to do, right? Would you open and close doors for me? I, but let's be real. If God sent you a text and it said, from God, you would think your number got hacked and all your passwords are gone, <laughs> and you get a new phone, right? I mean, there's no, we, we will have paralysis by analysis over and over and over again, and we do the exact same thing. And I propose to you it's one big waiting game. See, I believe there are people in the room today, you know you need to get started on something, and you are waiting on God to make the first step. But I think he's actually waiting on you to take the first step. He's waiting on you. I want to show you Joshua chapter 3, 
I'm going to read two verses, verses 15 and 16. And so to give you a little bit of backstory, so this is going to make a little bit more sense to you, um, we've had the flight from Egypt, right? So, so Moses has taken the Israelites through Egypt for 40 years, and they've been promised this piece of land. Moses' his successor is in place now, Joshua. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan River into this promised piece of land. That's where we're picking up the story. And he's given them this entire order that he wants everybody to line up to cross this river. And it says this, And when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped, somebody say dipped, in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its bank all the days of harvest. This is flood stage river, right? Verse 16, the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose in one heap a great distance away from the city of Adam, the city beside Zarathon, and, which, and those which were flowing down toward the sea of Arabah and the Salt Sea were completely cut off, so the people crossed opposite of Jericho. See, I'd propose to you that a lot of people in this room, you are yet to get started. You're waiting on God to take the first move, but he's waiting to see if you're actually going to step your foot into that uncharted territory? Will you actually take the first step in faith? And I know what the common issue is. It's fear, right? Think about it. We have the big idea. We believe it's God birthed. By the way, if, you're, if your big idea is unethical and immoral, it's not from God, <laughs> number one. I, I was seeing myself yesterday. I should probably say that out loud. Uh, that might help clear something up for somebody. Um, but we often want to take that big first step but we're fearful, God, if I actually do it, are you going to be there? If I actually take that first step, will you actually be there with me? And sometimes God takes a moment, right? So think about this. I don't know when's the last time you were in a classroom, the last time you took an exam, but the teacher is always quiet during the test. And just because you take that first step, and you're initiating things, you're like, okay, God, are you with me here? And, and, and things are a little bit quiet. I, I want you to understand something. I want you to write this down. Don't mistake God's silence for God's absence. Okay. Don't mistake his silence for his absence. I'm going to show you why. Mark chapter 6, 47 and 48. This is the exact same story we read in Matthew, but it's Mark's gospel's version, which is actually Peter's account. This is an eyewitness account of the exact same story we read in Matthew. Two verses. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars. Some I say seeing them, straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. Just because God's silent when you take that first big step doesn't mean he's absent. Jesus was in an elevated position, follow me, he was in an elevated position watching the entire thing. And he let them not just take the first step, but step and step and step before he actually stepped in. And, and, and I want to tell you something, and I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but Jesus is very unique in this way, is that he's the only person who's ever existed that fully understands who God is. Okay? He's also the same person who fully understands who you are. Your spouse doesn't understand you the way he does. Your parents don't understand you the way he does. Your coworkers, people that you are here with in this building at church, they don't understand you the way Jesus does. Jesus knows that big first step is scary. He knows what gives you anxiety, what, he, what gives you stress, and what causes you fear. He knows all those things. But just because he's silent 
when you take that first big step, does not mean that he is absent. One more thing on this before we move on is that in every one of these accounts that we read today, right, the Mark, the Mark account, the Matthew account, matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 8, they're on the exact same sea. Um, a storm comes up again. This time Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They wake him up, and this same dialogue happens. And I say all that to say this, is in every one of these accounts, Jesus addresses the person before he addresses the problem going outside. He wants to deal with personal faith before he deals with your personal fear. You can interchange faith with trust. You have faith? Why did you doubt? You have a little faith? Why did you doubt? You have a little faith? Why did you doubt? We can take that first step when we exercise trust that though God may be silent for a moment, he is right there with us the entire time. Somebody in the building today, you know what you need to do. You need to take a first step. For a lot of us in the building today, yours truly, we need to take the step of getting focused. Getting focused. Somebody say, get focused. Get focused. focused. Did you notice everything is going absolutely according to plan until what? Until Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. He starts to notice what everything that's happening in the periphery, right? The external environment. says the wind and the waves. And I think that's us too. I think that whenever we execute on that big idea, when we take that big step step of faith into the unknown, that we can kind of be in cruise control for a little while, and then all of a sudden, all these other things start to come up around us and start to pick at our focus. And we've been talking about a lot of these things throughout this entire series, right? So so let's unpack the series for a minute. So we're in a series called Cow Tipping, um, and that's not because we're broadcasting from Elgin, South Carolina. We did not choose that for that. Um, but we chose the term cow tipping because when you really think about it, this entire series is thinking about what are things in our life that we worship more than Jesus? Because you're going to worship what you value. And so what do we worship more than Jesus? What gets more of our focus and attention than Jesus does? Is it fame? Is it tradition? Is it money? Is it power? Is it sex and relationships? What gets that position in our lives? And it's about tipping idols. They're, idol is a metaphor for all those things for us. But think about what an idol means in your Bible, right? Think about this. An idol means another God, it means something so elevated, so focused on, and so worshiped in your Bible. So in week one, we talked about this idea of a golden calf. So think about the Moses story. Moses goes up on the mountain to experience something for God, to learn the next steps for his people. He comes down, and lo and behold, in his absence, a distracted people group has created an idol. They created something to worship, to give credit to, and they can experience reliability with for their future. And for what's next, they're distracted. So much so, (laughs) so much so that as God's creating, okay, this is how I want to form my family. And he gives them some ways to think about him, these commandments, right? (laughs) The first two are don't have other idols, right? The first one is don't find other idols. Don't look to things in the periphery. The second thing is don't make things idols in your life. And this is a big deal. God has been communicating with us 
since the first two verses of our Bible, he is so worth focusing on more than anything else. And I want to tie a big bow on this thing. I want to read you Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I got a chance to preach about this a little bit over the summer. Well worth a visit again. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. I want to talk to you about chaotic water just for a minute and what it means in the context of what we're talking about today. First verse makes a lot of sense, right? In the beginning, God is outside of space-time. He creates the cosmos, and he creates the things below, right? And we get at verse 2, and it's bizarre. It's a little bit bizarre, right? The earth is formless and void. It's wild and waste, meaning that it has no operating systems that make it work. Thus, no life can exist on it. And then it gets even a little bit stranger. It says that darkness is over the surface of the deep. I want to unpack that for a minute because this is actually highly, highly, highly intentional. Think about what darkness means, right? Darkness is absence of a lot of things, right? So in our Bible, when we read things about darkness, it's absence of things that are life-giving, that operate the way that God does, that are outside the, the, the way that God intends for our lives to work. They're human ideologies that are separate from the way God wants us to see the world. Does that make sense? And then it says that it's over the surface of the deep. Some of your Bibles actually say over the abyss. And so imagine this. Moses gets credit for Genesis, and he's writing this story, and he's thinking of all these people groups that live around the Israelites, right? As they're going and they're wandering through the desert, and they all have these different idols. They have these different gods that they worship. Baal, Marduk, they're, they're actually like, they're named and they're things that have an influence on that world, right? And so what, you, what we don't know, reading this today, is that all of these other idols, these other ideologies, their origin stories have their gods coming out of the water onto dry land. But that's not what Moses has communicated about the God of Israel, He's communicated that all these worldly ideologies that end up with death and destruction, that end up being life-taking and life-giving, that's not God's operating system. That's not the way he works. Number one, he's outside of it. He's above the waters. He's above the chaos. He's above the deep. He's above the darkness. And number two, it's actually under submission to him. Is communicating that God is so worth focusing on a world filled with everything else that he can be so worth focusing on with everything we have. And this is not even the only time this happens. Think about this. Flood narrative. The world's evil. Ideologies have created this horrible fallen state. God floods the world. And lo and behold, what is over the surface of the water? This little ark carrying God's spirit and God's plan. For the future. The Moses story. The Egyptians are killing Israelite males. Moses' mother puts them in a basket. Our English word is basket. Hebrew word is teva. Teva is ark. Moses' mom puts him in a basket over the chaotic Nile River. He makes a sea stand up by striking it. Do you see what I'm saying? This happens again and again. Okay, let's go back to the Matthew story for a minute. All right? What time is it in the morning? 
zero dark 30. So between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is what our Bible says. It is dark. What is, where are they at? They've been away from shore for a very long time. They're over the deep. They're in this chaotic, watery world. And lo and behold, who comes to them walking over the surface of the waters? Jesus does. Just like God's spirit in the beginning of time, Jesus is yet proving that he is that for them, and he is so worth focusing on. He's so worth focusing on. And we can do that exact same thing today. Because God may have birthed something inside of you, and you may be stepping into the unknown, and you may be getting out of your comfort zone. But everything else is going, at some point in time, going to come around to distract you. But I want to encourage you that even in your distractions, even when the wind and the waves are unbearable, Number one, you can maintain intentional focus on Jesus. And number two, he is right there whenever you slip. Just because you slip doesn't mean he does. He's right there. Somebody in the room today, you need to get focus. Man, I'm excited about number three. Somebody in the room, your big step into courage, not comfort, is you better get after it. Come on. Everybody say, get after it with me. God, I love it. Does anybody need an explanation for what that means? No. Like, just saying it pumps you up. Get after it. It means do the dang thing, right? It means we're not just going to do it, but we're actually going to do it well. There's an entire boat full of people in this chaotic mess in the middle of a sea, and one person, one person of everybody in the boat says, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to get out there. And I'm going to get after it. Peter's encounter, his supernatural encounter, begins where he ends. Think about that. He is recklessly taking a step into the unknown. You can't like you can't just get over there and uh, uh, dip your toe and see what happens. You know, is this solid or not? You know, he's taking a step out of a boat into the unknown. Peter is getting after it. I want to tell you, you are called. To live a courageous life, you are not called to live a comfortable life. And you can control if you get after it, believe it or not. Think about this. In a world filled with distractions, in a world filled with everything else, the one thing you get to control every day is your effort. You get to control your effort. You get to control how many snooze buttons you hit. You get to control that. You get to control your effort. As a matter of fact, we had some office space at one point in time, and I put a sign up that as you walked into it, you had to pass by, and it said this, the devil thanks you for not giving 100% today. (laughs) You give 99, you're helping him do his job. The devil thanks you for not giving 100%. You can control your effort. And God has called us into courage, not into comfort. And they're they're his words, not mine. I want to show you John 16.33. It says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me, You may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. Somebody say courage. Courage. I have overcome the world. In Jesus, in intentional focus on Jesus, we can have peace when everything else is going crazy in the periphery of our lives and is begging for our attention. We can have peace. In this world, you're going to have adversity. I didn't have to tell anybody here that. You already knew that. You're going to have adversity. But we can have courage because Jesus has overcome that, y'all. We are already walking in a completed mission every day we get up. 
We can have conviction to step in to the unknown. I want to tell you, comfort is the slowest death you will ever experience. Comfort is a slow death. You are never called to be comfortable. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. And I know, a lot, I've heard a lot of people say sometimes, like, well, for me, my faith, it, 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 it's private. No, 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 no. Your faith is never meant to be private. It's meant to be personal. It's not meant to be private. You're supposed to exhibit courage in a world that is grabbing for your attention and screaming. All these other idols are just screaming at you. You're called to have courage. And here's the cool thing, too, about the word courage. And this is why I say get after it. Is because the word courage in your Bible doesn't just mean to have the faith, the uh, uh, like, you know, test the water real quick, you know. It means to have enthusiastic fortitude. It means a step of courage looks like something. I mean, it means like stepping out of a boat with conviction. Stepping out of a boat expecting it to be solid below you. That is getting after it. That is the courage that our Bible is talking about. And so listen, I know that there are people in the room today. Man, I've been preaching up here for a little bit, but I'd be willing to bet you haven't heard much of a thing that I've said because all you can think about in your mind is that thing that you know you need to step into. You, you've been thinking, somebody in the room has been thinking about it. Somebody online is thinking about it right now. Somebody is listening during the week and they're thinking about something that God has birthed inside them. Maybe it's that next step closer to Jesus. Maybe it's just something personal to you. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's, uh, I, I don't know what that thing is. Maybe it's picking up the phone call, having a hard conversation. Maybe it's mending a relationship. I don't know what the thing is. You do, and you've been thinking about it this entire time. And so what I love to do is just have the privilege just to pray that God gives you courage where you might be comfortable right now. Maybe it's the first step. Maybe it's the focus. Maybe that's what you need. Or maybe you just need that little bit of energy and tenacity to get after it. You need to be, you need to have permission to be a common person that has an uncommon desire to succeed at something. I want to pray for you about that. Before I pray, we end every experience here with the next step. And I want to give you one today. Maybe you're somebody in the room and you can't come up with something right now. I want to help make your, I want to help make your life easy and like talk to you about something. So at the end of every month of October, we have something called You Matter Week. And it's a week where we get hyper-focused on serving our community. And here's the reason why. We want to let them know that our church, um, that we know who they are, we appreciate them, we love them, and that we're here for them. But really, more importantly, is that Jesus loves them, and they matter to him. And so maybe for you, a big next step of getting out the boat is not doing something for yourself, but for somebody else. And so you're going to see ways on the screen right now that you can sign up for a serving opportunity. We're going to be adding more and more serving opportunities. What you see is not exhaustive because we want to make sure that we let our communities around us know that we want to be a blessing to them. So maybe for a lot of you, that's your step today is to do that. But give me the privilege right now to just pray about the thing that you've been praying about. Is that cool? All right, bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you so much for, man, coming together as a family today to wrestle with the difficulty of just getting out of our comfort zone or sometimes just getting out of our own way to experience something new and supernatural in you, Lord. I know there are people in the room today they're experiencing the fear of getting something started that is on their heart, Lord. I pray that you let them know that you're with them, that you're so worth trusting in, and that 
even though those first couple steps are scary, you are not absent in the process, Lord. For a lot of us in the room today, Lord, I'm, I'm asking for, for, for myself included in this. God, I'm praying for hyper-focus in you that when the distractions arrive, that God, we can trust that you have proven to our world time and time and time and time again that you are what is worth focusing on whenever things are not going according to plan, when things are difficult and when adversity strikes, God, that we don't have to let worldly systems be the thing that we worship. You can continue to be the thing we worship. And lastly, Lord, I want to pray for anybody uh, right now who just, man, they just, need, they just need some guts. They need some courage. Lord, they're stuck. They're scared. They don't know what to do. God, give us the energy to get after it. You said whatever we do, we should do as if we're doing it for you. And God, I pray that you give us that spirit today, that spirit that we can take take all the things that are happening in our life, we can put it under your submission, we can have the trust and faith to get after it, Lord. And I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Church, I hope this message has been helpful for you. Um, This is the point in the experience where I want to tell you, grab those invites. If somebody missed out on today, make sure they don't miss next week. Get invites. Bring somebody with you. And let's go change the world. I love you. Have a great week.